Welcome to the Talking Acoustics podcast. This episode features John Meyer, who together with his wife Helen, founded Meyer Sound. John began his work in audio in the 1960s, developing live sound systems for the Steve Miller Band and the Grateful Dead. In the early 1970s, he carried out research at the Institute of Advanced Music Studies in Montreux, Switzerland, uh, to explore high-quality sound reinforcement systems for classical music. Since founding the company in the 1970s, Maya Sound has become one of the world's leading audio technology manufacturers. They have an emphasis on research and development, which in recent years has seen the development of the Constellation Active Architecture System, which we'll talk about later. John and his team are involved in providing systems for everything from TV and film production, uh, Broadway theatres and live music from Metallica to the music of Adine. You might even recognise John from his appearances on Mythbusters. I got to sit down with John at the concourse in Chatswood during a recent visit. We had about an hour and we barely scratched the surface. So, uh, John Meyer, thanks for taking the time out. It's a pleasure. Um, how do you explain to people uh, that you made to barbecue what, what you do? Well, uh, I'll start with my childhood because I grew up in radio, uh, FM radio, as a kid. Uh, when I was very young, like seven years old, I was uh, in parts of like, in radio at that time, uh, this is in the 50s, they did uh, a lot of programs like Tom Sawyer and different kinds of radio broadcasts where uh, it was a whole kind of big productions because there wasn't really much TV yet for this. And so I was I played bit parts like Sid Sawyer and Tom Sawyer, things like that. And I was always, always interested in the technology. I just, I had a kind of a knack for technology. So that by the time I was 12, the uh, I had my... Uh, a program when I was 12 doing telling fairy tales on television and interviewing other kids that were around the radio station. Uh, a lot of people, this was a radio station in Berkeley, uh, which was a KPFA, which was a very educational station. Lots of people came by, you know, uh, scientists and people like Alan Watts and philosophy. And it was a nonprofit station before. Um, and, um, uh, I wanted to work the controls so I could run, be a disc jockey or like play the classical records for, but you had to have a license at that time to do that. So it was called a third, you could get your third class license, which would mean you'd have to know enough about how to turn on and off the transmitter at night and things like that. So mm-hmm. there was some, you know, had to take a certain amount of, it wasn't real difficult, but there was this, they wanted you to know kind of like how things work. You had to be able to play the FCC a broadcast, you had to make sure you were monitoring your transmission, things like that. Yeah, so yeah. I got my third class, and then I could start playing like the tr- records for classical music and things that they were broadcast. We also did live broadcast from KPFA. We had a, uh, a one of the new condenser microphones that Altec Lansing just created, uh, which was a very high-quality little microphone. It was a had a whole power supply and it was a kind of a very expensive thing at the time. I think it was like you could buy a car for what that thing cost, you know. <laughs> and uh, the uh, uh, and then they did live broadcast of, of live shows. So I kind of that was my first experience of doing uh, like and they did jazz and they did small like quartets and things like that. So uh, and they even did some 
stereo broadcast at the time, which they called binaural, to uh, if you had both, we had two transmitters called uh, A and B transmitter because parts of areas couldn't be covered by the A transmitter, so we had a second one, B, mm-hmm. but there was an overlapping area, so we could, someone had both an A and B, KPFA and KPFB, they could hear, we could send it out in stereo, they could hear, right. hear the two channels, and that was one way of thinking about it. Then there was the multiplexing way, and I got more and more interested in uh, the technology, so I, uh, when I was about 14, I studied for the FCC second class, which is a very hard exam. It's 500, over 500 questions that they're going to ask you, like how does a draw a heterodyne receiver, how does a transmitter, what's an exciter, uh, what's a coal pit sauce, how, you know, how do, if you're charging batteries, does it, when do batteries give off hydrogen gas? I don't know why they even want to know that or why they would care, but like you could be, lots of questions like that. It took me all summer to memorize this FCC book, which was about an inch and a half thick of questions and the answers, not question but just were like the explanations of, of the questions. Yep. So it's going to be multiple choice. I knew that in the test, which makes it less scary than trying to write it all out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I passed, and I got my FCC license, second class, which allowed me to go into the transmitter room because they wouldn't let you in the transmitter room. Uh, this is a 50,000-watt transmitter. Wow. They don't want anybody in there. There's x-rays. Uh, it, it, we were up there one day because it got knocked off the air, so we drove up, and you have to have at least a second-class uh, person, or they, or no one can go into the building. Yeah. So that was me. And this is you at fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> so, uh, and so they actually came out to interview not me, but the station manager to make sure that I actually took the test because it was given at the station. They wanted yeah. to make sure that this kid wasn't going to be fried in the transmitter <laughs> yeah. room because someone cheated and helped me. Now, I had, they said, you can ask him for yourself. He'll, he knows the answers to it. I have a good memory. What did your classmates at school think? With, they know, that- no one paid any attention. I don't think I was very communicative as a kid. Yeah. And I was more, uh, it was my world, and, and uh, most of my friends were into sports or something else. They yeah, didn't right. seem to, you know, or didn't really... You know, it wasn't one of those things that I, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I didn't think I talked about it much. Uh, it was just, it was like a separate world. Yeah. Know? Cause it's it, not most 14 year olds. No, no. Around no. With that's right. There wasn't much. That, yeah. There wasn't most 14 year olds. I don't know, but they want to do the same thing they probably want to do today. Nothing, you know, interesting from my point of view. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, we went up there one day to, to, the transmitter got knocked off and, uh, we went up and, these these big copper tubes with fins on them, these ones that are the final power that feeds an antenna, and the whole antenna is nitrogen filled. You got to make you know so that it, there's no moisture. So when you fire up this fifty thousand watts, it, the antenna on an FM transmitter is like like look like four dish four plates together. Right. You know, it's a tiny little thing. It's not very yeah. big, and you got fifty thousand watts of power going. It all yeah. has to be radiated. Yeah, you know, so if anything's wrong, so. There's all kinds of safeties on these transmitters. Something isn't right. It'll shut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yes, have to go you know. up there. And so there was a rat. You could, if you ever, if anyone knows what a, a lantern is, when you used to light a lantern, you have a mantle, and you light the mantle with a match, and it turns into this kind of ash thing. Yeah. Well, that's what this rat looked like. Pure ash hanging onto the tube as it <laughs> climbed up of it. It was just like this. You could blow it away. It was just dust, you know, but like you could totally vaporize. I mean, there Pick was the wrong I, place to Never crawl. forget the picture of that. That skeleton, it wasn't even a skeleton, it was just white ash, but kind of held in place because it happened so fast, it kind of like froze yep, there. Yeah. 
You know, I'm, that gives you a clue how powerful these, yeah. this thing is, is why they don't want you in there. I and, you're, and you're the 14-year-old with yeah. the license to go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to know which bits not to touch. Yeah, what bits not to test for sure. You know, and so, like not to stay, when it's run, run. You, if you open up the cage, you can't be in there more than a minute because of the x-rays. So you have yeah. to know these yeah. things. The x-rays are strong from these things, yeah. you know. And plus the microwave, which can cook food and all yep. other kinds of stuff. You know, so they want you, you really have to know this. And yeah, it yeah. was the FC, the government used to really, um, at that time was very strict. And FM was interesting because it was developed, um, before I was born in the forties to, uh, the, in the thirties to create a classical way of playing music. And I don't know how they got that government to go along with the idea we already had am radio people played mm. music on am radio but they wanted to build a high quality way of producing music so it's a really interesting time they pushed that through all over the world everyone had fm radio stations all around the world mm. besides the bbc and went everywhere and had to be government regulated it was a, a big effort just for higher quality mm. interesting time and that's what i grew up in so mm. um r- fm radio is is I mean, our transmitter would be less than a half a percent distortion at full power, which was better than records. And when we played records, we felt superior because records were two or three percent. So we yeah, felt like yeah, yeah. we had a better technology and people could hear it live. That's why we did live broadcasts because that was cleaner yeah, than, records, than the record. Than yeah. the record. Yeah. So we were already, we played records because you have to do something. You can't do live once a week. Yeah, it's yeah, a huge yeah. thing. So we do play trans, the best records we could get. But um, that was. It was kind of like, that got me interested in live. I yeah. mean, there's something about a live concert that I really enjoyed. It's kind of over when it's over, you know? So when you're doing a live broadcast, it, you gear up for it, which might take all week to kind of practice. Yep. And because you only have one, maybe half an hour to an hour, depending on how long they're going to run. And that's it. So if you do, if you screw up, you screw yeah. up. You know, it's it's, it's transient. It's yeah. the it's uh, right the there. Impermanence. It's of... like those uh, it's like those people building sandcastles on the beach. Yeah. I mean, as soon as that tide comes in, it's gone. Yeah. But it's a lot of work up to that point, right? Yeah. It's like, and if people don't see the backstage work of a live show, they just yeah. how could they? We yeah. have an audience. You just come into it and expect to be entertained. You don't think about uh, the work that goes into these things. And, and even recorded music is only a it's a snapshot of. Of a moment in time, it's not... Uh, well, they can layer it, though. Like yeah. with movies, they, they can layer it over time. I mean, they yeah. kind of build it up. So a lot of, when you watch movies today, like the animations, those are built up over yeah. layer by layer by layer. Another art form, completely different. You yeah, know? And yeah. And it doesn't lend itself toward live because they they kind of are building it layer by, they do the horns, they do violins separates, and they do all everything, kind mm-hmm. of build it. And live, you got to do it all at once. And yeah. the next day, you may have a different people in the band. There's some people, yeah. you know. So you can't, you don't have that repeatability. You, mm-hmm. can, you know, it's like you can't do another take tomorrow because yeah, yeah. some of the guys have taken another gig, and you know, or they don't play the same. Or it's just live is. You people have tried to apply those techniques to it, but live is not quite the same. Yeah, and that's probably got me into that. My background, I got, I really uh, kind of grew up in that world. So. Uh, hi-fi was interesting. I worked in hi-fi stores and, uh, because I liked, um, you know, you could hear the difference between amplifiers. It was all being done. Transistor amps were just coming mm. out and they didn't sound as good as tube amps. And yep. we're trying to find out why yep. the movie industry had done a lot of, they're the ones that solved flutter and wow, which was an interesting problem in early projectors in film when they were playing back movies people complained that vibrato and the voice and the piano sounded wrong and all that kind of stuff took them from 1940 to 1950 to figure out 
uh, and in fact, they started in the 30s building uh, machines to try and figure out what, what, why, what were complete people complain about. And um, at that time, people really did listen to the audience. If people complain, the technical people try to figure out what they're complaining about. Yeah. They didn't ignore it. It was, yep. it was one of the things that companies that people had the companies would tell you you know if people are complaining you should listen yeah they won't tell you in your language they're going to tell you in their yeah. language yeah like it sucks or it's awful i i hated yeah. it well none of that helps an engineer figure out what they're talking about you complain about something yeah you know people don't bitch for no reason yeah exactly you, you know, if people but, are complaining like, there's but, probably a problem there is a problem yeah. what it is may be hard to find yeah. years and yeah. years to figure out as the t- as the film was being pulled through the projector it was scraping across the optical head in little jerks which are called scrape scrape flutter same thing with tape recorders when they started to realize that they started to realize it had to move smoother because that little jerks is like touching a record when it's playing creates uh, a little quick little variation in sound which everybody can hear really easily you touch your record when it's playing it's instantly audible yeah the problem is it doesn't show up well on analyzers if Mm -hmm. you try to touch a record playing it You'd see a if you were watching with a spectrum analyzer, you'd see a big drop in level because analyzers aren't meant to look for that. Yeah. So they would see it as a big drop, but it, there is no drop. It's just as loud. It's just yeah, changed. Yeah. See, so our instruments aren't very good. They kind of mislead you, thinking that it's not a very important problem because it's fifty dB down, or you know, it's not. It's just they can't see it. So you have to you have to kind of know how the instruments work to realize the instrument is is likes everything really steady like a tone that's been running for an hour they're really happy with that yeah you change that tone all of a sudden it looks like the sound disappears from the analyzer point of view but we know from humans if you touch a record or slow it down or speed it up we hear it very easily and just as loud that's vibrato or like pressing on the note of a violin and all this kind of stuff yeah but it's hard to measure and so the fact that they even figured this out in the 30s is amazing very, very hard problem to figure out. It's called FM. But we see FM was being developed so people knew they're converting from AM to FM back to AM. So they understood this world from a technical point of view. But most people in our industry even today don't understand that vibrato is a form of FM. It means frequency modulation. You're changing the frequency. Yep. You know, and... Uh, no one's looking for it. There's no meters in the digital world. No one's looking at it anymore. Is, you know? is that a commonly recurring thing that you've seen throughout your time in the industry that uh, what we're looking for and what we measure are, are sometimes quite different? Yeah. What happens is, and I think uh, one of the guys from Buell and Care and uh, one of the guys about 15 years ago was in his 90s. He's going to sell his company. He has no kids to leave it to. And he says, don't make the mistake that's made all the time. I go, what's that? He goes, don't think because you've measured something that you've solved it. Measurements mm-hmm. are self-fulfilling. Yeah. He says, you need to listen to what people are saying and then go look for it. They did not find Flutter by, by researching it. They found it because people were complaining yeah. and, and coming to the movies and saying the piano mm-hmm. didn't sound right. Violin's wrong. Made them. It took 10 years to find it, building yeah. instruments and, and standardize it. So finally in the 50s, when I saw Flutter Meter, it already had more than 15 years of work on it. Yeah. You know? and, it's, and it's the it's the human ear and the brain and the yeah. processing that, yeah. that is much more sensitive than any of the expensive we, meters. And- it's easy. I mean, we, we build instruments after the fact to be able to standardize to make mm. sure what we're producing does it. Once we can get a number, then they're very handy. But it's not, there's no. It's even like vibrato does not. Uh, people vibrato like when you're pushing on a note of a violin, and say you're pushing it every second to move uh, the note 
back and forth. Okay, so we that's big, we would call that modulation. But what's interesting is we call that one hertz because they're moving it at mm-hmm. one one per second. But yeah. it's not a note. It's mm-hmm. not a, not a one hertz tone. No, a lot I, of people think that it's not. It's a rate between the higher and lower frequencies. Yep. So people say, well, that's a one hertz note. No, it's not a note. See, unfortunately, when we talk about a note like a tone, we call that a frequency. Yeah. But when we move to FM, now we call it the rate between two notes. We've changed the name to yep. hertz, but is still, meaning the rate of the thing. It's not yeah, a tone yeah, anymore. Yeah. So we're switch, we switch these things technically, and it makes people, it's hard for people, lay people, to understand we're talking about something completely different. We're talking yep. about someone pressing on the string of a violin, yep. which is not a note anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a whole, it's something else. It's, it, we call it vibrato because we, there's no other you can call it, but it's not a note. If you try to look at it on a spectrum analyzer, you just see a smear. It doesn't know what it is. Yeah. So it, it looks at, you see a whole bunch of, if you look at the note, say it was, you'd say full screen note. Um, so, uh, if you look at a note on a high quality spectrum analyzer, Fourier analyzer type spectrum, it doesn't matter. You can build out a, parallel analog filters it doesn't make any difference you, it, they're all like say you have a bunch of one hertz filters that you built out of some kind of filters and mm. you read in each filter so you have a one hertz spectrum analyzer from 20 20,000 it's like a lot of filters it's easy to do it digitally but you could do an analog same yeah. thing and if you put a tone in if they're one hertz wide it takes one second for your reading to come up to full scale yep so if you take the sound away the tone it would take one second for it to go back to zero yep if you sw- if you move the frequency on the analyzer back and forth, say from 90 hertz to 100 hertz and back to 90 hertz, the filters very responsive. They're like barely moving off the floor. All of them will move in that range. Yep. So it looks like that's hardly, people will say, well, it's not a problem. No, no it's, measurable effect or no, yeah. you know, no significant effect. I'm saying when you're moving that frequency back and forth, it hasn't gotten softer. The analyzer yeah. just doesn't read it. Yeah. So if yeah. you try to make the filters faster, like wider, say 10 hertz, and they move much quicker, but you lose your resolution. Now you got one bobbing up and down yeah. quicker. So it's nothing, you, there's, we don't build instruments for flutter. Yeah. You know, we build them uh, because no one, so we're not building instruments to even what we know exists, let alone what we don't know exists. Yeah. You know, so the listening is the really hard part because you're, it's uncomfortable engineers that they generally don't like to listen to things. And video people are more used to looking at their picture to see if it's in focus. Yeah. Audio people are more interested in if the, if the numbers work. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're not as, because it takes, um, you, you have to train yourself to be able to hear, you know, you have to, that's the hard part of this. And, and generally you can show people like you can show vibrate, you can take two wine glasses and bang them together mm. and you'll hear, you'll hear them beat, you know, so, yeah. you know, yeah. so you can, you can show people that this is audible. Yeah. And if you put those out of two loudspeakers and you should be able to hear as it comes into, as the speakers, then finally you're in the middle between the two speakers, you just tell the beat. But if the digital system isn't capable of carrying that information, they won't be. Mm. And so you're trying, we're trying to make people aware that you could, you, right, if you're not careful, you could throw away data that we need for music, which you don't need for a tone or for the way you're thinking about. So part of the quest in all of this is to build instruments as we can to at least solve the things that are solvable. Like, but at the same time, audio is more like wine. Very difficult to tell if you got a good or bad bite. You can measure the alcohol, you can measure whatever's in there, all the particulates, and you know, and everything you want. But is it going to taste good? Yeah, <laughs> See, yeah. That's where people get nervous. You know? Yeah. And anyone that's been to a wine tasting, which we have, 
where they put 10 glasses in front of you, wine that costs with numbers on them, from $10 to $200, it's a frightening experience. Ever. You're going to be able to sort these things in yeah, any way yeah. that makes sense. But you actually, you do better than you think. You know, I mean, yep. you know, it's like amazing. You can kind of tell this one doesn't have, you kind of, you know more about it than you think. It's just, you know, it's, uh, but, so sound is kind of like that. So on that, going down that question of high quality audio and the audio that uh, we find preferable, um, on the video side, video keeps expanding to higher and higher definition. People are pretty familiar with the concept of, you know, what their TV producers or what the, you know, the 4K projectors and all that stuff's very common. But the idea of um, high-quality audio has not necessarily followed the same path. We're, we're, yeah. People are mostly listening to compressed uh, music uh, most of the time. Um, it's not the same brand recognition of high quality audio in a live context as there is for, you know, the the brand of high quality um, visuals. Um, do you think um, that is it people don't hear it? Is it that we is that why we don't sort of invest in it, or or do we not? Is the brand of high quality audio sort of does it need building? Is it uh, what what should we do as an industry in terms of higher quality audio in a live context particularly? I think I think the first thing is uh we have to kind of like make people aware of these these two different worlds. One of the things that's interesting about visual, it's very easy people we're used to looking out the windows that we have around us now. So if you do a four K projector, it looks more like this. It's pretty quick you get it. It's not if you play it back in low resolution, it's all fuzzy and blurry. You go, well, that's not what it looks like when I look out the window. So it's yeah. really quick. It's an easy, quick thing to kind of show people. And if, it, if you get enough resolution and you're far enough away from whatever it is to finally reveal it, uh, it seems to work. I mean, it's quick. I mean, so 4K, uh, if you're real close to the screen, it doesn't work either. So you, at any case, you, I mean, like, uh, like with a... But like an audio, uh, we were just down, we built a new uh, system we call the Bluehorn, which is a research project to, one of the things that speakers do, all sound, it doesn't matter if they're made out of paper or wood or graphite or, I, or an ionic, you know, where you charge the air and move it electrostatically. It doesn't make any mm -hmm. difference. Low frequencies have a tendency to, to form later than the high frequency. So like if you have a click, like you say you hit a like a firecracker, we call that a click because mm -hmm. it all happens in, in an instant or any little tiny explosion. Then if you look at, and you can pick that up with an, uh, a really good test Omni microphone uh, and it'll look like a click on a really good tape recorder, uh, digital or analog, it'll just look like a little pulse. Yep. Okay, but that pulse contains all frequencies mm -hmm. in, in the sense and that's what um, we learned from the Fourier on uh, all that analysis that the click is all frequencies but to us it sounds like a click but all frequencies are contained in this click it's not very intuitive but it's just what it is yep. and yep. then but when you play it back in a loudspeaker the lows get separated from the highs it's just automatically it's the same what happens if you take a firecracker we do this in our labs you bring them indoors and as soon as you light off the firecracker indoors it has a completely different kind of sound because the lows and highs get separated for the reverberation and so they sound like a big boom. Mm -hmm. Nothing, the firecracker has not changed. Yeah. We've changed its condition of mm -hmm. what it's being played back in. And this happens instantly. When you look at the firecracker, it instantly is different than it was when it was outside. It doesn't have to wait for 
time. Or, it's, it's hard to, it just happens. We have to kind of accept it. And then, but with loudspeakers, it has a tendency to create a, like its own room sound automatically. It's just inherent. It's called the, and everyone thought this was just the law of physics and there's nothing we could do about it. It was just uh, lots of theories have grown up. But when we started thinking, now we have digital uh, and we're looking for something to do with digital besides copy analog, which is our mm-hmm. favorite pastime is to make a tape recorder digitally. It used to be analog, yep. you know, and that's okay. That's, that's fine, smaller, and you have little things you plug in rather than tape, but it's nothing changed. Yep. It's still the yep. same thing. Uh, that's not really interesting other than the people want to make something to fit in your shirt pocket, yep. you know, but what gets interesting is the fast power that digital has. I mean, one of the things that see in analog, it's very difficult to do very many filters before you get into uh, what we call the error. In other words, or tolerances. Like, it's very difficult to make the parts precision enough to do, say, very complex thing in analog. So yep. filters and all that kind of stay very simple because they just, it becomes just, it's a really difficult problem. But in digital, see, that's a different story. You can, because it's all numbers. Yep. All you have to do is have... Uh, more processing power, more dynamic range. You can have like a hundred, you know, huge dynamic, way beyond what analog ever Mm. dreamed of. You can have noise. I mean, there's no noise. You can, I mean, there's money associated with that and the cost, but Mm. it's possible. It wasn't possible in analog to get any quieter than they did. It reached a maximum in the fifties and it was, it didn't improve much. Mm -hmm. People started to compress the tape a little bit to try and get a little bit more of this, but it's a trade off. Yeah. Digital opens up a world of numbers. You're in the number world. So all yeah. you have to do is have enough space. It's kind of like I was trying to explain to uh, one of the mixers. Uh, we build what we call a, a galaxy processor, which is our final processor before it goes off. And they go, he says, you know, I have these different mixing consoles, John. One is 18-bit. This one's 24-bit. And he says, how do I mix those together? I said, well, if you stick, put them in a galaxy, it's 64 bits. It's like sending your 8-millimeter film into a 70-millimeter print. Mm. It's not... It's, in the digital world, that's not inefficient. In an analog world, you can, oh my God, you're going to load the 16 millimeter on that 70 millimeter and eight millimeter. That works. You can imagine that. I mean, we're yeah, done yeah, here. Yeah. You, you know, we're not going to degrade it at all. Yeah. We have all the, I mean, that 70 millimeter print will hold anything you want to stuff to yeah. it. I said, in the digital world, it doesn't cost anything to run a 64 bit. It costs a little bit. So you have to do more processing, hmm, stuff hmm. like that. So you can just stuff all these things into a Galileo. And it'll just be in there in this huge word. Uh, and then the only time you'll have an issue is when you have to get it out. Yeah. That's, and that's what those output meters are for. There's no input meters because it, we don't have to worry it's about just, that. It, the output now yeah. you have to be careful because you're going to have to stuff that into something else. You have to pipe it out mm. into a serial or something like that. So with those meters, well, you have to kind of crunch it down. So you're trying to give them a feel of digital is a lot different than analog in that sense. I mean, a lot of the, the consoles are built to these low bit rates because they're trying to save money, but we're not, we're final feed and we're not having to do, we don't have to have 27 controls and all this kind of stuff. We're just basically loading data in so we can get it on to uh, where it's supposed to go to mm. the speakers and things. And so you can kind of get, so what we started to do is think, well, we could use all this processing power to fix the, this phase responsible loudspeaker so that we put a click in and click comes out. Now, yep. we have no idea, since this has never been experienced on the planet before, is this even a worthwhile effort? But if you don't do it, you can be for sure of one thing. It's like someone says, it's not my idea, but if you don't go fishing, there's an absolute 100% chance you won't you get won't any. Get in, yeah. <laughs> so, going back to your firecracker, you're saying that when the firecracker goes off, there's a time difference in what you get out of the low frequencies versus the yeah, high. Yeah, the, the lows will be quite far behind. I mean, uh, not huge, but yeah. quite a bit far behind. It's, it gives it a sound. Yeah. And a sound we all recognize. So yeah. we say, you know, 
Now, the question was, is we want to take that away or say, basically, we're going to store it in the computer and spit it out as though you know, correct for that. You know, we can do that in the digital world because we have the ability yeah. to make it everything wait that's not supposed to come out yet. And then the things that's supposed to come out, come out, we wait for the, the last guy. It's kind of like your long train. Now you're going to crunch all up. And we start out, say, a thing, single thing, then it gets spread out like this. Yep. We'll bring that whole thing in. We'll, so if you shift that, if you do shift yeah. that and shift all that, the yeah. time line, the, all those yeah. frequencies. Yes. What is the subjective? Well, Have that's you got a, to that point. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's we've the subjective been, answer. Does it? The, it's like different. I mean, everyone is saying it's kind of. A, uh, we've got them in the movie industry. They're they're using them. It's different. It's hard to describe. But we get people. We're doing more and more demos so people can just listen to things. But things like Buena Vista Social Club is interesting because it's, it was simply recorded, and you can. Yeah. Have, and what we're curious about from the science end is I have. PhDs and things that are scientists are trying to figure out, does anyone hear it the same way now? Yeah. You know, even though, okay, we agree it, we can hear it, which is, was a big revelation. We hear something, you know, yeah. I mean, it's different. That's was, see, we, in science, we'll go, are they the same or is it different? We do an A-B thing uh -huh. with and without. Are, can, we, at first, we just want to know if you hear anything different. We're not asking yeah. for good and bad. We're just asking yeah, yeah. Different. Just, is different. That's the quickest way. And if, you, if everyone kind of agrees, everyone hears it's yeah. different, then, Qualitatively, that's another issue. Like, yeah. I just want to, you're too worried. Better, better or worse yeah, is yeah, different. Yeah, it's it, a, it's totally different, question, but different problem. Is it, yeah. is it different it's, in the you, So I have two glasses of wine. Can you tell the difference? So yeah. we put, we put three down. Two, I'm warning you, two have the same wine and one is different. So you have to kind of drink yeah. all three and tell me which two you think are the same. Generally, uh -huh. people are good at that. If one's yeah. a little bit sour, they'll push that one over. That's pretty clear. Yeah. So we'll do the same test. We'll put, we'll have maybe five switches and some will repeat. So mm -hmm. we want to, then we'll have people play. They won't, no one will know what those switches are. And the people that did are kicked out of the demo. So they yep. won't give clues. about what do you think of three? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. We're, we're human, right? So you got to get the engineers out that no facial expressions, no micro clues get out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let the people just write down what they yep. think of this yep. stuff. And everyone found differences right away. And, uh, um, and so we started, um, we sent them around to like Sony and the movie industry and, and put systems together to send down there. And we painted, since we were mink dinking with product we already had, like uh, we already had a studio monitor, but we kept in research, we kept, since we we're modifying it, it would have the same serial number. So we got, we had a little blue tape on them, it would fall off. So I said, fine, I want, listen, would you, someone just go paint that horn blue so we'll keep track of the ones we've modified so we don't have to keep looking around? I mean, there was yeah. tape on the floor, and yeah, you're yeah. guessing which one that piece of tape belongs yeah. to. I don't want to guess. At this. No, so no, just, you got to know. Just go again, get a can of uh, blue over that hardware store and just paint the horn blue Yeah. just so that we absolutely know this is the one that's 100% modified. This is blue horn. This is where the name is. So we sent them down to Sony and, and, uh, and, and there was a lot of excitement and everyone was A-Bing them and people wrote on the thing. It's like, this is a game change and all that kind of stuff. I'm only interested in, can you hear it? Yeah. You know, and, you know, because that's, then it's something worth pursuing because everyone kept saying, how do you know you'll, I said, I don't know. I said, if we don't do it, I think we're the only ones who don't want to do it. If we don't do it, no one will do it because yeah. no one's convinced it won't matter. But and, and then the question is, even if it even if it sounds different, is there a preference? And right. even if there's a preference, how much of that preference is tied up to the fact that we've spent your, a lifetime listening to? Yeah, no, that's all true, and, 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 and it's probably why it's it's not just revolutionary going fast. I mean, even John Powell, um, um, we were gonna we had we were gonna rent them. Just to kind of so, so no one because it's expensive to build these things and it's got a big processor, digital processor mm. running at super high speed and you know it's like there's 
12 grand there, you know, so by the time you get all the other, it's expensive, especially three channels. Yeah. And that's got subwoofers, and those all have to be corrected, and the whole thing is that's a big thing. And so we sent them down to, uh, they were doing the Bourne movie, and the new Bourne movie, and John Powell, I guess, I don't know the whole story, so I, I hope I don't get this completely wrong, but anyway, it wound up, they moved around a lot, so I've kind of lost track, because studio people kind of the technical move all over the place to Fox. They go up to Skywalker. They're all over. It's so hard for me to keep track. I see Fox as one thing, and I see Universal as another thing. But the technical people, they go everywhere. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, so yeah. they don't see it like that. You yeah. Know, from the outside, we see three cities or five cities of, of structure. Inside, it's like technical people go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and movies, they all are working. They run up Skywalker. They're down at Fox. Mm-hmm. And so John Powell says that they won't rent them, but he wants to buy them. We had no plan to really put these together to sell them, but he said they're not, they're not going back, so we'll figure out what you want to do. I go, well, that's just great. So we finally put the package together. Uh, we had some software we had to rewrite because it was, you know, it was a library, so we had to rewrite some of the software so it would be ours and put a package together, and he bought them. So he invited us down to Fox when they were doing the uh, – um, uh, Ferdinand, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, animation. Yep. And he said, if we're doing the final mix. He should come down. We're, we're going to do it on Blue Horns. But go down there. It's just, I, you know, going to Fox is a trip. I mean, movie people, they live in these worlds, and you go past television shoots that you see on television. It's just like this amazing world to me. Yeah. You know, because we, we do more stuff live and Metallica, that world I know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about the movie world. Although <laughs> yeah. we, they buy our speakers, so I get a little, they invite us down and, and they have the three blue horns in the room, and everything else is turned off. All the monitors they normally use in that room. And everything this is, is in on. a mixed room? Yeah, it's a big yeah. room. There are 20 people in here all yeah. with computers doing something. Mm-hmm. And they have a big orchestra. You're looking through like this window here, and there's a full orchestra in there. And they're doing the strings. And this goes back to an earlier conversation. For 45 minutes, just one minute loop of video, mm-hmm. no dialogue. And it's the girl and her bull, and they're changing the violins or strings to fit whatever it is they're looking for, mm-hmm. the mood. Yep. Yep. And they spent 45 minutes doing that. And wow. everyone was taking notes, and they're going on, where Helen and I are listening to this, and then they invite us to lunch. Uh, and they're going to do, and John says, uh, I said, what, what happens? And he says, well, the horn, we're going to put horns in the afternoon. You can come back for that if you want to see that. I go, well, we really can't. Uh, we have somewhere else to go. I'd love to see that. You know, they haven't even done dialogue. I mean, yeah, we're talking yeah. about layers here of, yeah. of construction. Very but slow process. this is this really interesting thing. We did notice... After a while, you could feel it change because there's anxiety between Herbal in the ring. I don't think the audience is like ask Helen too. We don't really remember uh, because we're there trying to listen, and yeah. it's kind of um, um, and they had us go sit with the orchestra. And they want us to come inside and sit in there for a little while, and we were both too nervous. So we said we we, we got to go back to control. We we're afraid we'd cough or sneeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we said we really you don't want to get the one take after uh, an hour of running the loop and you've you've coughed in it. I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> so I like, went back in the control room. But he's, I said, well, so what have you listened to it on? He goes, what do you mean? I, he says, uh, what, what, what have you listened to on the blue horn? He goes, my stuff. I said, well, what is, what is that? What are, you, what are you listening? He says, well, he says, the only speaker we have where I can tell that if the notes are different. He says, everything else, I can't tell that. This one, I can oh, hear right. things I can't hear and anything else. So that's his tool to him, a peer tool. Yeah. You know, he didn't talk about listening to other people's work or anything. He says, maybe I should, he said at lunch, listen to some other stuff. Yeah. But so that was that one experience. But the most important for me, I never got to experience that 
where I know they do this, but to watch them change the mood with sound, see, that's what's so hard for people to understand. Sound has a tap into us that's different than the visual. Yeah. The visual loop was just ran over and over and over again, and they changed it with the sound. And my, we sell speakers to the neuroscientists, and they're super interested in what happens. What happened to the brain? I mean, they probe us to death. They're trying to figure out what took place. Where yeah. did this, what happened with this sound? I mean, it's a big mystery. Fortunately, with the neuroscientists now, with their trillions of dollars of budgets where everyone's so excited with them and they get all the articles and, you know, it's like a big deal, uh, they'll help us promote the idea there's something about audio that's different than visual. It's a yeah. different thing. I, I heard, it's I heard subtle. Someone, I heard someone once talking about uh, the difference between losing your sight and losing your hearing, and they said that the difference is that losing your sight disconnects you from the things around you, and losing your hearing disconnects you from the people around you. Yeah. It's a different sort of connection. Yeah, it's a different... And the, the movie people have known probably since the 20s, that sound has a big influence on the picture. Yeah. This is fairly unknown in science. I mean, otherwise neuroscience wouldn't be so excited about this idea of looking for it. You know, they just like discovered, like they told me, the neuroscience, we've discovered. I said, <laughs> I felt like saying, no, I think they discovered it. <laughs> but you can't say anything when you're around. <laughs> I just want them, I don't want to get them mad at me. I just want them to promote the idea and help us get people to understand that uh, the the kind of idea that, See, the problem is, we don't know why, but people can listen to concerts on their car radio and be fairly happy. So it, it's not clear why that's possible. You know, why, and they'll go to a concert and be very, very fussy, but they'll be okay mm. on the car radio because basically it's a memory at that point in the sense that it's kind of like photographs. Like when you look at a photograph of the mountains, if you've been there, it's different than if you haven't been there. Yeah. You know, yep. so it's like you look at a photograph, you you don't know what it is, but after you get there and yeah, you come back, it's it, it, yeah. now you remember. So it may be something like that in the audio. I mean, visual has been studied longer. I mean, considering what, 14th century, 1500 years ago, they had pretty good lenses for, yep. you know, so it's, it's an, we're only fairly new. I mean, we've been doing it since the 40s. So we're not a long, mm. we haven't been making stuff in the optical world, like the, I mean, they had telescopes, and you reach seventeen hundred. I mean, there it's like goes way, way back. Mm. Audio is fairly new in that sense, and and it's very electronic, so it doesn't. I mean, visual stuff is simpler because they can do things with just glass and bent glass. Audio starts with uh, cameras, and they start with monitors. So even to get started, it's more complicated. Yeah, you know, yeah. right off the bat, you know, to you gotta, you know, to even play it like this thing. There's a lot of electronics in this device recording us. To, yeah. To, you know, compared to if it was glass, we could just magnify it with a yeah, simple, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's more complex and it's harder to figure out exactly what all these things do. Like we know we're substituting a lot of things now for in what we call algorithms. I mean, the whole FM radio now can be done as a program, a computer. The question is, is that it's a little different, and you pick up some other artifacts like jitter, and then there's so there's questions coming out. How do we hear jitter? You know, what does it mean? You know, yeah. because the numbers are like, like, again, when you measure jitter on an analyzer, it looks like it's, uh, you know, almost in the noise, but it's just the way the analyzer measures it. And these analyzers, they, uh, people learn to, if you buy an analyzer for FM, you have to take class on how to use it because it's, it's not, it's not easy to interpret. You have to, yeah. and each analyzer is made, they have their own class of how you interpret the data. So you can understand that, uh, you can do, 
uh, analysis with these analyzers, but they're, you have to learn what it means. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not direct. It's kind of, you have to learn what it's doing in order to, to figure it out. So I think some of the things are hopeful in the sense like, well, the Bluehorn, uh, has been really good because it really, um, they really, I mean, it's gaining, uh, momentum in the sense that, uh, as we do these, uh, as they more and more use the thing. And the, I think the, uh, the big question is, is that, you know, like, how do you, in, what is that going to mean if you want to integrate all this technology? And, you know, so I, the industry moves kind of slow. Uh, like in the movie industry, when I, when I, you talk to people like at Fox, they'll go, you know, how many movie theaters there are out there, John? You know, but there's a lot. And they see it as a, it's like, they see it as a huge global change, not just, yeah. you know, they don't see it as like when you're in the kind of record business, it's more, personal they're they have a studio and they're yeah. doing and they have their musicians and the people that come and yeah they're, they're kind of more isolated the movie industry is more they think more like how how is this going to happen like if they're going to do 3d again like if avatar comes out yeah how is this going to be done this time yeah you know like it's i mean everyone's i think all the 3d has pretty much disappeared since the last time avatar came out. Mm-hmm. so it has to all be revamped up again you have to get all these people to rebuy this stuff it's all over the world there's going to be a huge world release in the video world and they have to that has to be financed and they think about all that audio people don't think on that level Mm. either it's live and that's just the show you're working with like metallica or it's a cd and that's kind of isolated yeah so it doesn't have this sorry the movie people that have the money are they they have the money but they think too globally to make it go quick so you're trying to they have to kind of see it uh different industry different different industries and rate of change and and the CD people have no money right now because everyone's going back to records and no one yeah. knows what's happening. You know, so they're they're not. No one's building studios. There's everyone doing it at home. And mm-hmm. and uh, but this leads to uh, issues. Uh, there's this thing called the loudness war that Denmark started about. Mm-hmm. If you look at like uh, a record from um, uh, uh, that you know someone did as a record and then moved it to say CDs yeah. and then then each year. Like Michael Jackson was moved to uh, a different CD every yep. ten years, and different you can see you can see it's more compressed and yep. and and changed. And uh, the average loudness of yeah. of a they, vinyl record from the seventies and then a CD pressing yeah. of that from the early nineties versus a CD yeah. pressing now, yeah. and the average loudness that you the signal level you get. And, and there's more and more stuff missing. Like like they've taken out. I don't think they do it on purpose, yeah. but by, even a piano has vibrato, not very much, but people that really know the piano, if you, uh, we did an experiment, you can take the vibrato out because compression sometimes does this anyway. So we took a, we, we played, a, we did this in the University of California, we played it at work where you take a record and you laser scan it and needle scan it, or it doesn't matter how you do it, but you take it where you just pull out the data from the record mm-hmm. and only Look for the notes. In other words, like say you have a note, like a, like a you're watching a note on piano, a piano note, or like let's say like a bass guitar, which we look at. It might start at 33, 43 cycles, and in a second later be forty two cycles. So yep. it's a changing thing. Well, you could just grab forty three point five and just say that's the note, and then just repeat it. See, so digital can sample yeah, through yeah. and pull out what we call the notes. Yep. And then when you play that back, that's a different sound mm-hmm. than you play back all the data. So the risk of compression is that it's easy to, would, would impossible, that would have been a hard problem to do with a tape recorder. You know, that would mm-hmm. have been beyond the ability to clip little pieces out like that. So, but digital, it's easy to just pull these notes out 
and it's super compressing. It allows you to put 10,000 songs on a cell phone or whatever. Yeah. But, and when you play it back, people hear it immediately. So I think we need more demos or more. Uh, yeah. I mean, is that like a picture where you know the song and so it, it comes back to you? Um, and how, how much of that is going to be uh, perceptible for someone and then noticeable? We, well, that's the thing that they're arguing in Denmark is the fact that kids are getting used to that kind of playback. Well, there's kids that have grown up yeah. and not heard anything so other than you have, but music. The encouraging part is if you show them the original, you show them played back, they don't yeah. get it right away. At first, they'll say they sound the same. They, yeah. they won't even hear a difference right away. But after a while, it's kind of like uh, there's a saying in India, you can take someone that's never had good food off the street, take them to a fancy restaurant, and they'll get sick. Yeah, you ha can't do that all at once. You yeah. have to acclimate them to this experience if you want them to all know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's the same thing. We believe this is just there isn't a lot. These are hard to support, but different people have you know that are looking at this problem think that in like in Denmark where they want they're it's recoverable. You know, in other words, if you you have to reacclimate the mm. kids to hear it, and then they yeah. get to recognize it, it's yeah. like anything else. So I think part of the problem is is that the commercialization. Uh, I don't think it was done on purpose. I think it was just a side effect of digital, the fact that people are building algorithms, not understanding music yeah. as well as maybe they should. They're more interested in how much, or they may think it is just notes because, it, you know, it, they don't really understand and, it. And, I don't and think it's a, a trade-off too. I mean, it's a, it's a compromise. Yeah. And you say, well, you know, if you can have take your whole song collection, your whole record collection with you in your pocket. Yeah. Um, and, it may, and, 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 and it's, again, like, I don't mind listening to music in the car. I don't feel yeah. it's a violation of yeah. anything. I still, I know what it is. I know it's, but I still, if I'm, it's better than road noise. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You know, so I think that we have to kind of, uh, let people know, or at least, you know, all we can do is let kind of people know what's possible. But it's this, it's, you know, that, uh, uh, it's kind of like, uh, I was just in the New York today, they were talking about, junk food and how they want to label it in South America mm -hmm. and we don't want them to as the US right. we, you know kind of we want the we want the, we don't want them labeling that junk food's bad for you and you know, that that kind of like oh but but the people that make junk food whatever that is are totally want to have that continue without big warning labels like cigarettes on yeah, yeah. they're not you know they're going to fight on that yeah. idea it's hard to prove i mean you know never eat junk food i, I think it's you know, I'm not. I don't think it's poisonous. I think you shouldn't eat yeah. it as a diet. But like, it's, it's, and there's a time and a place. I mean, I, I listen to compressed music on yeah. the train or in the car or something. But if I sit down at home and put a put a record on or or a, or a CD or a you know one of the higher format um, discs, that that's different. You, I mean, it's a different experience. But you're yeah. you're using it differently. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this uh, revert back to records. May not be nostalgia complete, maybe some of that, but I also think that I saw a BBC broadcast it when we were in India uh, from someone from the BBC playing records that were records, playing back records, and then talking about it, and then playing back the CD and said, you can just hear the the quality on the record of vibrato and depth yeah. is there, and it's not on the mm -hmm. CD. He says, just, that's just what it is. Yeah. And it may be what these kids are discovering. You know, it, you know, it's going back to records because it's very hard to... To, to take vibrato out of a record. I mean, it would be a really difficult challenge. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, you'd have to break it all up and re... You, if, without digital, it would be a really hard problem. Yeah, yeah. Know? So I think uh, they're more... And maybe they sense it or, uh, 
we don't know, you know, yeah. but like, uh, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think you can dismiss it as just a uh, kind of a going back to the past. I think it's, yep. e- that's too easy. It's not, there's a lot of trouble to get a record player that's going in and buy records. I mean, maybe it's, I mean, Steve Miller, I've known since forever, he's going to start making records again. Now, yep. part of it's because they're selling records like more than CDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the motives are not always 100% clear, but I think there, it's in the air. If you go to the Loudness War uh, and they show the 10,000 records that they've analyzed, I mean, they've all been compressed and stuff, that itself might spoil it for people that care about music enough to yeah. at least figure out maybe they should think about this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. maybe it's been, um, it might not end, but I know Apple is talking about increasing their quality of their algorithm. So it's in the air. You know, I think yeah. that, uh, and then with like we can show people the Blue Horn to show uh, even records like, you know, they may say, is this, you know, you play something like when a visit social club, it's a trip. I mean, it's just different. I mean, it's hard to describe. I don't like to describe it because I want people to experience it. You yeah. know, I'm not, you know, because otherwise it's just, it's kind of like there's a idea that you, it's in, in Sufism, I think, would say, you know, you cannot describe a headache to somebody. All you could do is describe it well enough when they have a headache, they might no, remember no, no, what you were talking about, you know. Can, can we talk about Constellation yeah. for a minute? So. In a in a in a performance space, um, someone plays a violin on stage. What we receive in the audience is a combination of the direct sound, plus the re- early reflections that that bounce off the side walls and, and, and reaches, reverb, yeah, and as reverb. well as the reverberation right, or the right. late yeah. reflections that are bounced around a lot of time in the room. Right, exactly. As it decays yeah. away. Um, now there there were previously systems that would add reverberation to a room artificially. That yeah, could add sort of the late um, the late reflections to yeah. effectively to sort of boost that the the room presence um, but constellation is different in that it not only increases that reverber late reverberation but it also effectively artificially creates uh, the early reflections. Well, it, it, it actually use, doesn't have any built-in reverberator in that sense. In other words, it has to have a seed. There is, it's, it's not like when we had a, a reverberation room, which we added in, in record, and that kind of world. Uh, what Constellation is, it's purely, uh, it picks up a sound, and then the computer will redirect it, as an early reflection to some of the speakers, delay it, whatever it has to do to get it that to arrive as an early reflection. And then uh, it gets, when the microphones re-pick it back again, it goes, just gets regenerated. Regenerated again. And, round, and, then, and then it releases it depending on if you've created a concert setting and things like that. So you create, basically you create the room in the computer, but it's yep. really a, a, a linear model of the room. I mean, mm. it, you could really argue uh, one of the ways physically you can talk about it, like it's like if you had, say you had a, a room, a small room, and you make this first small room uh, really, really dead so that uh, you could control, and then you cut holes in the small room, and outside you have a great big dome. So as you open up the holes from your small room uh, into the bigger room, uh, you would it would bounce into that concrete room and find its way back into here. That, that's a, that's kind of why the way the computer's working. And then you can make those holes bigger in your small room. And then then if you want early reflections, you could add some panels in the early room to reflect some of that sound back in. So you yeah. have control of how much reverberation, early reflections, and we're not we don't do anything with the direct sound. So the direct sound has to make it yeah. to the person on its own. One yeah. of the big struggles we have is to get symphonies 
they should do this anyway, but if you don't see the player, you're not going to have any direct sound. Yeah. You if know, you've so got someone deep in a pit yeah. that you can't see, you're no, only getting reflective yeah. sound. And, you don't get the and we don't goal. do anything about yeah. that. We just, if we figure out operators, if they want to be in the pit, that's what the kind of sound's going to yep. be. So, yep. I mean, they've and, talked and, about... And physically, the system is a, is an array of quite a lot of microphones and, and speakers, quite a yeah. lot of speakers. Yeah, yeah you need... All it, around, yeah. not not just at the sort of stage No, side, it's on the it's side. all around the room. You have to have what we call, in a room... Uh, what we call uh, the direct to reverberant field or critical distance. Critical mm-hmm. distance in a, in a concrete room is it doesn't have one because it's just everywhere. You can't get far enough away from anything. Mm-hmm. If it's really, really dead or pretty dead, then you, you could get pretty close. And the idea is that if you're in a room and you have a sound, as you move away, pretty soon that direct sound will be about the same as the reverberant sound yep. you know, of, of the echo. And that's not quite... That it's kind of spongy, so it's not an exact yeah. foot. So, know, as a listener at that critical distance point, you are getting an equal amount of energy yeah. from the direct so, sound as well as from all this other reverberant sound. And if you don't want to locate the speakers, then you have to have more speakers. That's a critical. You have to have more speakers so that you can't locate yeah. when you're in the critical distance. In fact, we work really hard. Even if you get if you're in the balcony and stuff, we want enough density that when you stand up. You don't start to hear anything. Mm. You know? So you need it, and the deader the room, the more density you need. You know, so yep. as it, ultimately, if the room was completely dead, it'd be infinite. But we found that even outside, when we did uh, out outside shows, there's enough sound out there, so it's not an infinite problem. I mean, mm. it's not completely dead anywhere. It's like yep. there's some ground, there's bounce and things like that. So we always have a seed, uh, and which when we did the Miami thing outdoor in Florida. Uh, so they're inside that we pick it up there and then we bring it out like at five channels to create the sound. And then the the rest is the, is the room. So we just move, try to move the inside sound outside. And then, and that's been very popular, but it's basically uh, we're creating the room in the computer uh, and we can then, we can change the ratios. We can of course have a little bit more, we can change like the wood. I mean, we give it to them in their terms. Like if, if they want like a, they say they want more of a wooden sound. That just means that's less reflections and yeah. high frequency. So we, we study all these things. So we kind of give it to them in their language. So, so, so you're making a, a model of the room effectively in the computer, yeah. and then you're using your microphone and speaker array to to modify the room, the, yeah. the, the acoustic response of the room, really. Sort of the better the the deader the room is, the more control we have. Yeah, the yeah. Better off. We don't. And like, so you can then you can then have a hall that works. You yeah. you. Yeah. dial all the reverb back and it works for drama and then you put a symphony or, in and, and you dial up the reverb yeah. and the early reflections and you and or if you, we want to do a movie we can dial it down to half a second yeah you know? so that's yeah. what we like so we try not everyone wants to do that it's just more expensive so yeah we we we, we don't like that. we don't want more than a second because it's then you can't know how much control you so, know but so that, that, that's blurring the lines then between the acoustic design of the space and the and the the audio system design what um, what advice then would you give to an acoustic designer designing the 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 acoustic of a of a space that's going to receive we, a, well we, well, we design around a constellation we, system? One of the things that we if we get involved very early, we tell them we don't need the volume because we're because we have it's all in the computer anyway. We don't need the volume to create the low frequencies. Uh, we can do that, so we can work with mm. a lot less volume, which yep. is. You know, might be ecologically important. You know, you have you can make the space smaller. We yep. don't care. Yep. It doesn't matter to us. But then we want. Then we work very close with them to make sure that they 
Um, not only kind of dampen the room, but they make sure there's no rings. Uh, those rings will kill you. Like if there's a ring somewhere, like a beam yeah. or something like that. So you gotta make sure everything is damped and stuff. So yep. we work really close with the acousticians. We don't do, we have acousticians on staff. We also like to work locally. It's much easier, mm. you know, and we have, uh, we're developing a good team of people everywhere down here. Yep. Uh, is people that, that, that realize this is the future. I mean, yeah. the, the, I mean, People say, do you think it'll replace everything? I said, no, it's going to be like steam trains. There will always be some, you know, yeah. just for, and there's no reason not to, but like yeah. for practicality, for universities and things where, where they want to do multi-purpose things. Yeah. And, and this is going to, this is going to be the future because we can do it very high resolution. We can make every seat much better than physical. I mean, yeah. and we have, we have higher density. It's like one of my f- friends, uh, top scientist, University of California says, how come it sounds so good in here, John, in the Zellerbach? Gee, Zellerbach used to be awful in Berkeley. I said, you know, do you realize what density we have compared to a physical density? You know what we can do? You know, I mean, we have so much more resolution capability. It's like trying to do things with skylights versus electric lights. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I'm not criticizing any concert hall in the past, but no one in their right mind would go back to skylights. Yeah. You know, and, and, and people have don't use them because clouds come over and wreck their yeah. scenes. It's been tried lately in Korea where someone built a skylight with reflectors for the lighting and stuff. That went over big because lighting designers, I don't like them. Yeah, it's like the people walk over the grids on the sidewalk. You get the mm-hmm. that comes into the lights. Yeah. Clouds come over. It dims them. They yeah. go. I noticed there was when we went down to look at there was lots of electric lights in this room. It, yeah. It's just not. You know, we can't really go backwards. You know, and yeah. and uh, the computers are getting so powerful. I mean, the chips are so powerful that you know every time we increase the density, we can go back and retrofit. Yeah. You know, because the computers we we make ourselves. We don't make the chips. We make the computers so we cannot swap them out. So that we can, uh, as the computers change, my preamps aren't going to change, but the amplifier, but the yep. computers keep changing Processing you know, all yeah. the time. And, and uh, so that's, you know, and we're doing things. See, one of the real exciting things is what we, these are all linear. We've caught, we went out and measured like 50 great concert halls with our mm. team and measured them ourselves because we wanted to get them from the audience point of view, oh, stage right. point of view. Okay. So we did our own. England was the hardest because they're so weird about starting pistols. And we had to bring all the little <laughs> yeah. shells in and we'd bring them all out in little bags so you could yeah. see every single one. But you get through yeah. it. You just have to... And got all the impulse responses yeah. of these, right? From different places all over. It takes us like a week to get it so that yeah, we right. could really mimic these. If someone said they wanted it to be Boston-like, we're not going to guarantee it's exactly like Boston, but, but you can we can make it happen. Design to the parameters. Yeah. Is that information available? Did you? We have. I don't think we hold it that? secret. I don't think yeah. it was ask us for it. Generally, what we find with composers and people that travel, they don't see the room. See, we're more engineers, so we see the rooms kind of sacred. Yeah. You know, and books about the fifty great concert halls. Mm-hmm. They don't see it that way. These are working spaces yeah, for them. Active. Yeah. They'll say right away, "Can we have of a building? Yeah. Get, can we have the sound of this room in here and the." highs of this room I yeah. mean, right away they're like in a heartbeat they're like oh, i never thought that was coming you know I, I thought we had to produce these rooms exactly the way they exist but they they i mean when we had the uh, vienna harmonic they came to berkeley and they have a very good room uh you know no, no very very good space everyone yeah. agrees and they came into zillerbach and they're running around they go all these seats are good I didn't know how to answer that. I said, you know, that's one of the advantages we have. We really have the time to to look at not just high quality seats, but with balcony seats. I mean, we just have a whole different dimension on yeah. how to solve this, and and it keeps growing as we we you know as we build these things. See, and what's exciting is that you know uh, 
it's digital. It's all programming. There's no there's no hardware other than a computer, right? It's mm. all all in the in the this computer world, program world. Everything you're doing. And in Israel, they wanted a kind of a, we can't call it a mosque, because the only one we had was from Saudi Arabia. They want kind of a, a we call it a sacred space. They want yeah. this big sound was part of the university. So we went over to the program that in, takes like a week to, you know, to fit it to a room. Yeah. And then Roger, our PhD, came back with a, with a USB stick. And he says, these are the parameters. We can go put that into Berkeley up there. I go, what? Are you serious? <laughs> now, see, that's new. You yeah. could, you, and then we went up to Berkeley and plugged it in. And we get a call from the conductor at six o'clock at night. She says, I can't rehearse in here. There's something wrong with this space. I wonder if they left it in the cathedral mode. <laughs> because scientists are so kind of dumb like that. You know, we all are, you know, we're so interested in her. What we've done is we never occurred to us, like, did anyone send it back? And we're not very friendly to the PA people because not the, on purpose, but generally, there's nothing to change anyway. I mean, there's like you have a keyboard and you can choose, yeah. uh, the director can choose, say, uh, four or five di- uh, rooms singing. We give them yeah. names and they just, that, that, that's just going to stay like that. There's yeah. no work. People ask me all the time, where are the people in the back working? I go, there's no one here. Yeah. It's just a computer. Go, it's just a computer. I mean, yeah. no, it's not, it's just doing, it'll do that for the rest of the night. You turn the power off, come back yeah. on again. And, gonna, and from a user perspective, it's, you know, do you want to use, Press the drama button or press the symphony button. Or, yeah, or someone has control over that. And once they set that, it's going to do that for the rest of its life. It doesn't care. And we're very concerned about the fact that if we lose power, it comes back exactly with its status yeah. it was. So yeah. it'll do that for the rest of its life until yeah. it dies. You know, it's not, it doesn't, there is no one doing anything. It's very really hard to get people. This is not mixing. This is no one's involved anymore. It's totally passive. We should call it a passive system. Yeah. I mean, if the military can call their night vision things passive, then we should be able to call this passive. Yep. I mean, they have a battery in that thing, and they're mm. taking photons mm. and changing electrons and then bursting them along a bunch of microtubes and hitting another plate. They call that passive. I yep. don't kind of call that passive. There are six million little hollow fiber tubes yep. from this little thing you're holding in your eyeball that, uh, that, that the electrons roar through and hit the back plate, and finally you can see it. That one photon comes in. It's 100 on the other side, well, yep. or 1,000, how much yep. you turn it up. Well, that's called passive because yeah. there's nothing you can do. You know, and like, so I, I think we'll rename our, after the military, our constellation system passive because there, there's, all you can do is switch it to another mode. Yeah. You know, it's, and it, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting technology. And I, I, we've, the company I work for, Marshall Day Acoustics, we've just finished with my doing a, a system in Victoria. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll see it roll out more and more, particularly for yeah. the places like university where you've yeah. got a, or a, or a civic building where you've got to do, more you've than got one, one space, thing. and you've got to do yeah. all your things in there. I mean, there's only a few do, do places. Do you think there's? Do you think there's other applications yes. beyond yeah. performing arts? Well, when we're starting to, uh, as we work with people like um, that are more, uh, you know, like this younger group of people, the people that like computers, that like this, like even people like uh, Herbie Hancock, uh, mm-hmm. that see this as a, a new dimension. I mean, the first thing Herbie Hancock said after we took it on the road down to go down to Bing at Stanford University and had starts out with a piano and then runs over and starts, uh, we had speakers around the room and stuff. We put in a kind of a quasi field system. He only had a week to do this for him. I mean, it's like, I want to do this next week. How about next year? (laughs) So he started an iPad with, played the thing and started the iPad moving around the room and they came back and played the piano a little bit more and then went back, started another thing. He had like 10 iPads. By the end of the evening, 
uh, it was like pandemonium of stepping yeah, around well, the okay. room and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, all the people over 60 left, you know, but like all the rest stood at the end of their seats and they loved it. You know, so people came to hear the acoustical piano were not happy. Yeah. But the people, the young people, which is the ones we're worried about, what the 18 to 30-year-olds, right, that are slowly pushing their bosses out and taking over uh, the way that psychologists tell us what's happening out there. You know, they don't have full influence. They're influencing, but they don't have control yet, yeah. this group. Yeah. So, but they're definitely influencing things. I want, I want this. Yeah. And they like entertainment. Uh, they want to explore nonlinear spaces. Nonlinear spaces are things that we could create. We haven't done it yet, except in restaurants where we get rid of, say, the middle reflections, you know, early reflections, kill those. And just yeah. let the, that way you can't hear the table next to you. You can hear them, but God, it's impossible to hear one. Yeah. So we, that's a nonlinear solution. You cannot do that physically. So if you're doing a restaurant, you make the restaurant super it, dead. Super dead. Super dead. You can't have any clues. Yeah. So even the glass is a problem. I want to find stuff to put on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these seats along the edge are, the, are most problematic. Yeah, you, yeah. You and, and it's hard to get a restaurant to get rid of all their hard surfaces. <laughs> I don't know what it is about restaurateurs. They just want to put. <laughs> we want to do something with that glass. They go, what? <laughs> That's our main reason. I go, it's like tons of glass is a nightmare. Marble, glass, all those hard surfaces aren't our favorite thing. But we have been able to get the architects. In, they say, I want the in between those wood beams black. I said, do you care what, we, what the black is? No, I want black point. Then yeah, we, yeah. we can use cloth and I'm saying, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have burlap on this wall. I said, but can we have do you care what's behind it? No, of course no, not. No, no. And this wall I want blue. Can it just be yeah. can it be just blue? Do you care if it's a cloth blue? She yeah. said, Well, it doesn't look like cloth. I said, Well we can, yeah, yeah. can find you know, so yeah. you can work with them. I mean, yeah, because they're okay. more into the vision. They don't care what you put in. So yep. you can and then we have the Libra prints and ways of putting mm -hmm. it down, but that starts making us think then in the uh you can start to experiment high. Uh, you can start to experiment with uh, rooms uh, where uh, you can have the walls move. You could do start to do things. It's just programming, you know. And uh, uh, I've been trying to get everyone. It's hard to get class of people to try these things. Yep. They really much pretty like to leave it in one mode because yep. every time you open it up, and they have to be sympathetic toward the idea. You open it up for a musician, and it's a week. They're fooling around. And that's a lot of time. It's expensive, you know. And would they be just happy if we say well, there's no way we can adjust it? Which is generally the mode they'll go to yep. uh, if they start to think it's going to cost them a week of time. Uh, to You know, it depends on how important the person is, that, that, you know, when you open it up. We've done some things in Korea where it's taken like a week to get it. And there's trivial changes. I mean, it's like something you wouldn't even think would be would be measurable on any level. They'll hear these, you know, little brightness this way and stuff like that. But... The reason I'm excited about that, they could take that with them. But we haven't really brought that up yet because everyone says, <laughs> they can hold up your arms and go, no. <laughs> you know, it takes one. See, the classical people, they haven't grown up like uh, in the in the digital world. Like, and when we talk to young musicians, I mean, we have space map where we can move it around the room. And we show that and we say we can move 100 Things you can move this one around this way. He gives that. To, he says, "Give it to me." He starts going like he's back and forth, wiggling his finger, in the, <laughs> and we're doing Doppler shift and frequency, you know, all the kind of stuff, so that it doesn't go speaker hopping. We're going, "Don't crash! Don't crash! Don't crash!" <laughs> the next day, I go, "How many stacks do we have?" I mean, how are we prepared for the fact that he thinks this is cool? I mean, it's like we had we never even anticipated yeah, you never anticipated it at all. It's like we're gonna have to make that stack really big so we don't run. The system that can unload later, you know. I mean, if he does this and like that, and catch up. But my God, I mean, you hit the young group, and they they could care less about 
where how long this took or what we're doing uh and that opens up uh and we've seen some of the you know like they they want to kind of try experiments with using the reverberator in different ways and and they're smart i mean you, you work with these young kids in high schools like in texas within a, a week after they have the system in for their band they realize everything on your internet this is they go they probe you to death yeah, they say, we yeah. want we want that we want this we want that yeah. like, how'd you guys even find about that so on your internet <laughs> we want the delay we want to do this i mean the kids i mean they get it really fast yeah you know i mean it's not like um and they just and they read they they look what's possible and they want they go, what are we doing again? I said, well, they're programs. I said, you know, and they know what programs are. Yeah. They buy them for their computers. Yeah. They know they, that's not a big, you say a program to someone in the classical world, they, they don't know what you mean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kids know exactly what you yeah. mean. We say, well, these are just another program. Yeah. And we sell them like space maps of program. And he says, this is all just, uh, and what's exciting is this, it doesn't require any hardware change. You know, if we home run all the microphones and we didn't do that in the beginning. When we did Zellerbach, we put switches and hubs in the ceiling. That was a bad idea. First of all, you need electrical people and video, I mean, switcher people and all kinds of people out in the field. And when we redid it, we just ran home runs because you can just have anybody can do that. Right. Electrical group. As soon as you get put a switch 60 feet in the air, you got two problems. Yeah. If it's a break, it's in an impossible place to get to. And they seem to break a lot more than I like, you know, and or go wrong. You have to, they, you have to, we had that for three years in Zellerbach and it really taught us wire is cheap. Home runs are cheap. <laughs> Everything's coming back. All we had to do is make the microphones so they were true push pull differential out because we got lightning. We never know where they're going to run the cables. Yeah. And that, that's something that was, you have to kind of think about. We've done that, uh, where we had to have the microphone people with, when we were with, uh, not Buell Care, but whatever that other company's called. That they oh, bought DPI you know, or uh, and get them to build a real differential out, not just mm-hmm. two wires, you yeah. know, with the ground. I want a real push pull so that we can reject all those SCR dimmer noises mm-hmm. and stuff everywhere yeah. Yeah. and bring the. And so we brought everything back. And once we did that, that means that no matter what we want to do, it's all right there. A big, it just all comes in a big patch, right? So that uh, as the uh, computer technology gets, I mean, we just got a chip in the other day. I think they said it's 30 tera something flops or fl- I don't know what these things are, but it's insane. I mean, last year it was like two years ago it was like a, a trillion. Now it's up to 30 trillion. So yeah. it's the processing power is, is more than uh, uh, anything we've ever dreamed of. Yeah. I mean, it's like a whole cray computer and a chip, right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah. like that. The hard part is kind of like the, I'd say the, the thing like after Herbie Hancock did this with, 10 iPads or whatever they were. He says, I want to be able to move my arms around John and have the thing. If I want to do that, I want sound to fall on my arms. <laughs> well, he said, let me explain to you. He says, I get the concept. I, you don't have to explain to me. I just have to, we have to try to figure out how to do this. I don't even know how to start. I know it's possible. I know movie people are doing it for yeah. animation stuff, but there's nothing we can go to right now and, and find anybody. You're not going to have it for next week. No, this is, this is, <laughs> This is a, but it can be done. It can be done. We know that. And you have the, you have the right to ask for that. You know, I mean, there's no question. That's, we've got to, the control part is clunky. And both for 3D and all this kind of virtual reality and everything, it's all clunky. I mean, it's all, it's all going to be in, uh, like, I, I, I think I said to someone, it's like District 9. If you, if you watch District mm-hmm. 9, the very yeah. end is, to me, I love that idea. You pull out and you make your computer ship pulling modules out in your 3D space and putting together what you want. That is what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know the team that can do it. We're at the very beginning of this. But there are, we found there's a military that did an experiment using a copper glove and a magnetic field 
and virtual classes, and they had a race with someone that had blocks, push them in little holes, a big block, and then they had it virtual. And they yep. did a race to see who would win. Well, the yep. physical one won, but not by much. Yeah. It wasn't like double. It was like yeah. better. But like this is getting this is getting interesting where you can actually feel it. Things yep. like that. But it's like you find a little obscure and there's no reference to how I could get this or buy it or anything like that at this point. But uh I'd say that's gonna be the next revolution is how to communicate with these powerful computers we're mm. building. But the uh nonlinear stuff I think uh is gonna be uh I've been mentioning it to the people are putting in that are more university oriented. You know, that's what we should start to work on is creating. This is going to take some experimentation because mm. we don't. You know, what do we mean? We can make all the walls move differently, mm. uh, which would be one experiment. Would be fairly easy to do. I don't know if anyone will like so, it. It sounds like we're moving away from recreating the analog to yeah. creating something new. And yeah, digital. something. Yeah. And already, just a few experiments I've seen them play with are take you into a new space, like you know, change. What we think of reverberation, you put it into the source, because uh, uh, the reverberation of the source. You, know, you can't even, you have to go listen to even what, what that means. Yeah. You know, I, I can't even it's, imagine. There's not an analog uh, there's no, equivalent to yeah, yeah, centralize it. So I think that's going to be the, uh, it's, it's, uh, and the universities are fun. Like uh, you go down the, uh, the black boxes, you know, like one of the, the, and they're also discovering in the black boxes, you need some video to help make it work. Uh, and the, in, like in San Francisco, the black box has big screens, and they project sometimes images on it. You project a cathedral on it, the cathedral setting makes more sense mm. and, and stuff. So it's the visual audio also that mm. has to be integrated because yeah. no one is thinking about that other than the movie people. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like here's an opportunity to put screens all around the room, right? Like the, the sound box. Are you going to join us at this? <laughs> I think Helen? we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. But, uh, Sounds like you've uh, still got uh, things that are keeping you interested and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, more things to do. But- well, I think that it's kind of um, it's it's kind of like it's at the point now you kind of want to like to start to play with the toys and start to yeah. get people to uh, think out of the box a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, and that's what universities should do. They should be experimenting with uh, new spaces. That, mm. You know, kind of uh, it's it's not going to come from. Uh, the kind of traditional building way. It's going to come from yep. uh, kind of, um, and it's not like it doesn't require, as I was trying to tell an architect, I mean, it's not going to require that you finish your idea right now. This all can, you're basically building something that has a, a future. As long yep. as you make the room uh, at least compatible for what we want to do. Mm. You're talking about making a big square rectangular thing anyway. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, so if you just make it's it. It's got to be big enough to fit all the people in. Yeah. So. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. It's a real uh, pleasure. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find out more about John and Maya Sound at mayasound.com, M-E-Y-E-R sound.com. For more information on past episodes uh, or to send me feedback or suggestions, uh, you can visit talkingacoustics.com. <laughs>